When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Broncos Country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody. Welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver with myself, George Stoya, and Nick Ferguson. It's Sunday night. The Broncos just got their first win of the season, 16-9 to over the Houston Texans. But, man, was it ugly, Nick. It was uh, it was a, it was was kind of a nail-biter. I think it was 9-6 to going into the fourth quarter. A uh, lot of talk about Nathaniel Hackett and the coaching job that he did, 13 penalties tonight, um, you know, some odd timeout situation, just some weird game management. Nick, just what are your thoughts immediately after this game? Well, George, uh, man. I am shocked. Uh, it's rare that I'm speechless, uh, but I, I am. I'm, I'm just a little speechless. I was at the game today, just like you were. And just to see the crowd's reaction to some of the things that were happening. I mean, I hadn't seen that before. Uh, and and well, let me take that back. The only time I, I have seen it was in my time playing for the Broncos, but it only happened once playing against the Miami Dolphins when we didn't play that well offensively and I heard the boo birds, but today, man, they, they were just out there. Everyone was just blowing and upset that, you know, the offense could not move the ball. And then there were moments where there was like, Hey, go for it, go for it. And, and coach Hackett wasn't going for it. He was uh, deciding to kick the ball. And it's like, wait a minute. Last week we had the fourth and five. We didn't give it to Russell. We let McManus kick it. And we have another opportunity to move the ball again. And we still give it to McManus to kick the ball. We need to do something. So, yeah, I mean, in Powerfield, they were upset. We got the dub, which is great, but fans are really upset. Yeah, well, and I think they have the right to be, right? Like, when you talk about the expectations for this football team this year and what they thought they were getting in Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson, I think that people thought they would be better than this. Now, that's not to say that they can't eventually reach their potential, right? Like, I think that teams get better as the season goes on. At least good teams do. Uh, they did have a couple key injuries today that I think maybe have played into that. Pat Sertan goes down with a shoulder injury. Who knows how long he's out? Uh, Jerry Judy has a ribs situation, and that obviously slowed the offense down. But, I mean, Nick, some of the stuff that happened today just cannot happen from a, a coaching perspective. I mean, you've got a delay of game on two field goal tries. I mean, one, uh, it moves them back five yards, and they still kick it, and they make it. I think that one was inside you know, the five-yard line. The other one – they get a delay of game and all of a sudden they're not going to kick it. They're going to punt it instead. And it's like, well, that just took three points off the board. Right. And then they have to call a timeout later in the game because they don't have the punt returner on the field. Right. They don't know what they're doing 
on the punt team. Uh, and then they've got, you know, they go 0 for 2 in the red zone. They're, they're now 0 for 6 in the red zone. They're one of only two teams, Nick, to not have scored in the red zone this season. And that's the other team is the Seahawks, who are 0 for 3. So that's that's really bad. That's just <laughs> bad, Nick. I, I can't, like, look, we were, I tried to be positive last week. Yeah. I was going to figure it out. This was a really, really poor performance. They had to, the fans, you were there, the fans had to count down the the game clock, the play clock, to make sure that the team didn't get a delay of game. <laughs> I've never seen that before. <laughs> well, you have seen it. Don't say you haven't seen it. You saw it at the game. And, you know, listen, I, you never want to be in that situation from a team standpoint or even offensive uh, coordinator standpoint. But, yeah, it, it was rather frustrating saying, okay, well, these are the t- typical things that you should go through and you should practice, you know, these kind of special categories as we would call it, throughout practice to make sure that players are able to go out there and execute. And once again, you can't use crowd noise as an excuse. I mean, that was something that could be said against the Seattle Seahawks and that deafening fan base. But you can't say that now, George. You, you were playing here at home. Well, so, maybe the booze got to him, Nick. Maybe the booze got to him. Maybe that's- we, what do you mean the, the booze got to him? <laughs> no, man. Look, here, here, you tell me. You tell me this. Now, I'm thinking – Maybe there is a certain pecking order that plays have to, uh, when they're being ushered in, they, they just got a pecking order that they go through. I don't know if it's Justin Allen to Hackett to Russell Wilson. Whatever it is, George, they need to fix it. It need to be a conversation between A and B. And if that means that, hey, if it's Coach Allen that's causing the issues, we need to squeeze him out and just, just one-on-one with Hackett and Russell. But if it's Coach Hackett, Hey, man, just be a head coach and let uh, Justin Allen do his job. You tell me which one you think is more likely. I Nick, I think that they need to let Nathaniel Hackett – it's tough because I think Nathaniel Hackett's a good play caller, right? Like I do think that they draw some nice things up. Now, today, I mean, they ran like a, a full – like the Andrew Beck option play. Oh. Disaster oh. of a play. Uh, the trick oh. play that Jerry Judy gets hurt on – made no sense like, like like those things so maybe you should hand it off to Allen but here, here's the problem Nick that, that I think at, at least from an outsider or I guess you know somewhat outsider insider perspective Nathaniel Hackett is I think he's just struggling with too much going on in his head right the great coaches they have plays called you know two three four ahead right they're thinking ahead they're saying okay it's second and ten here you know I've got a play call for if we pick up the first down I've got a play call for if we go three and out and we're going to either punt, we're going to you know, kick a field goal, whatever it is. I think Nathaniel Hackett right now is thinking too much about the, the perfect play call at times, and he's not thinking about game management as much. And he doesn't have – I don't think he has anybody helping him with that. And so he's trying to juggle that. And people forget this guy didn't call plays in Green Bay. So this is the first time he's calling offensive plays in four or five years now. And you add on top that he's first-time game manager – that's a lot for a head coach to juggle. And I'm not trying to give him a ton of excuses because at the end of the day, the Broncos are paying him to make those decisions, right? But right. I just think right now he's got too much going on in his head and it's just too much for him to do. And I I, I don't know how you, you – do, do you hand some of those duties off like you said to Justin Allen? Maybe, but Justin Allen's never called plays either. I mean, he was the tight ends coach in Green Bay last year. So I, I really don't know how they do this because I just think that right now – He's got too much on his plate, and he's just – it's very clear he's not ready to handle that. And, Nick, I've never been a head coach, 
But I think the only way to fix that is you just got to keep playing games and you got to hope that he figures it out as he gets more experience. Well, I can tell you from uh, someone who's coached uh, in the NFL, man, it is a, a tough gig. But, I mean, you hire coaches, and that's going to be the thing. Uh, this coaching staff doesn't have a ton of experience. And you're seeing a lot of that playing out in real time. Will they get better? That's kind of our optimistic thought that is going to get better. But in the interim, we can only judge what we're seeing at this particular moment. And there are certain teams that have uh, someone in the booth whose job is to quote analytics and say, hey, listen, uh, the percentages say that you should go for it here, you should kick it here. I don't know if the Broncos actually have that person, but if we don't, we need to get that person. And the communication line needs to be better from, I'm going to say, from Justin Alton to Nathaniel Hackett to get everything right. I know we go, we're going to look at Russell and say, well, it's kind of Russell's fault, right? But the plays, you can only run the plays that, that, that you're given unless – they take the handcuffs off and just say, Russ, hey, man, you know the scheme, you call it, right? And then at that case, and at that point, we would be able to say, well, now we know it's all Russell if things go wrong, but also we know if they go right, it's still Russell's fault. I don't care whatever it is, George. I just want to fix as a fan. Fix that communication so now we're not having these delayed games because this is a third game. You're going to play against the 49ers on Sunday night football, and we'll get that get into that later in the week. But we can't see, see the same things happening week in and week out. I know it's early, but but come on, man, shoot. Well, and it's it's Nick, it's it's not even like, yeah, they had some holding penalties here and there, but like the delay of game penalties, that's totally avoidable, right? Like that's that's in preparation during the week and, and getting the play calls in, and like you said communication and it just seems in in I, I don't know if it's if it's a Russell Wilson problem as well like I, I don't think it is but is Russell you know changing plays I mean I know that uh it sounded like the you know the I, I wanted to talk to you about this too the, the first uh red zone opportunity they were at the two yard line right and they had th- they had three opportunities they kept throwing the ball they threw it one to Sutton and it was a touchdown and they you know reversed it the second time I guess that was not the play according to Hackett after the game and Russell changed it and just threw it again to Sutton. And then the third and goal, it was just, I think he just like threw the ball away, but like, what was the thought process there down at the goal line? You're at the two yard line, you're averaging seven yards per carry. Why not just hand it off to Javante Williams? Right. But like, it's those things. It's like, is there some sort of miscommunication on the play calling? Is Russell changing the play? Is there, is the play getting in too late? I mean, I think last week, the excuse was, like we said, the crowd this week. I don't know what exactly the excuse is. And I, I just don't understand some of the play calling, like I said, down in the red zone. I, I don't know what they were what they were trying to accomplish there. For me, it's just with all of this chaos, it just seemed like, you know, they're not getting on the same page. And listen, I get it. When you go out there, you trust your quarterback, and sometimes you have a run on, and he may check it to a pass based on what he's seeing out there on the field. And if Russell did that, I understand why. I mean, Derek Stingley is a rookie corner. Corlin Sutton just caught a fade ball, 50-50 ball on him. So I can understand wanting to go back to that well once again. But if there's an issue where, you know, Coach Hackett is called to play and he wants Russell to stick with that play, now they got to work on that communication. They, they definitely have to get on the same page. And these are two men who, in the offseason, they both talk, spoke highly of one another on how much they talked about the game plan. And don't get me wrong, George, 
not everything is going to go according to plan. This this is not George Papar, and this is not the A-team, right? You know, I love it when the plan goes together. Right now, plans are not going together well for the Denver Broncos right now. So all we need is those two guys to be on the same page and say, look, Russ, in these situations, what are some of the best plays that you like? And then try to put those plays on the play sheet to allow him to execute. But one thing is for sure, something needs to change Broncos country definitely let them know, hey, you've been put on notice. Now, I heard some whispers, George, that only whispers that someone was saying today that, wait a minute, you know, could Nathaniel Hackett be on the hot seat already? If he doesn't win this game against the Texans, he's going to be fired. I was like, you're out of your mind. Why would they do that? But the crowd today, Broncos country, let that coaching staff know that we, ha- we are very impatient. We, we've lived through three years of Vic Fangio. We don't want to start off three weeks of the season with the same mediocre type of offense. Yeah, I mean, it was it was interesting, Nick, to see the reaction from the crowd. And, I mean, we talked about it. We both thought they were going to, you know, blow out the, the Texans. And, and I get it. The Texans are a scrappy team, and they did some nice things today. But it was just a, a disaster of performance. Uh, Russell Wilson's stat line was 14 of 31, 219 yards a touchdown and one interception. It played a lot better in the second half. Um, you know, I, I thought he he did some nice things and, and obviously led them on the game-winning touchdown drive. Um, but the one guy that, Nick, I think was the one bright spot in everything the offense did, Cortland Sutton, uh, I think he had, yeah, seven receptions, 122 yards, had the play the, the play of the day, the, the third and 16 comes up with a, you know, um, a, a 50-50 ball, 35 yards down the field, picks up the big third down, and Nathaniel Hackett talked about him post-game. Yeah, I mean, I thought, uh, you know, just the whole staff did a great job. We started targeting him quite a bit, and he made some huge plays. I mean, that third down play, third and long, was was absolutely a thing of beauty. Um, and then he made some, you know, just big plays across the board, and that's what you need. You need your captain, uh, like a Cortland, to step up in those situations, and, and he and Russell did. Nick, just what were your impressions of, of Cortland Sun today, and, and especially knowing now that, you know, they could be out Jerry Judy a little bit. They're already down Tim Patrick, K.J. Hamler, who knows how healthy he is, and now – that could be without Jerry. Well, the idea of watching Colin Sutton go out there and be a wide receiver one, and that was kind of a big question in the offseason when you had a healthy Tim Patrick and we're trying to figure out what was going on with KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy was still out there. Judy went out and Russ went to the well, and he went to the well uh, a lot. You know, 11 targets, 122 yards on the day for Colin Sutton, and this is what we're going to need him to be. And the Broncos right now, you're in a tough situation. You're trying to figure things out offensively, you have a bunch of wide receivers that are either on the roster or in banged up or guys who are on the roster and they were just dropping balls out there. So right now, tough spot that the Broncos now find themselves in offensively. But, George, you know how this works. No one has sympathy for you in the NFL because guess what? They're going to say every team is going through the same issue. So they're saying fix the problems. That's the only thing that Broncos country actually cares about. Yeah, they need to sign Odell Beckham Jr. That's my take, Nick. Uh, go out and get OBJ. Uh, this uh, that's that's a joke, sort of. Uh, but, wait, what do you mean, sort of a joke? You I said that's a great face. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I, I I think he's the best option on the market, right? If Jerry's out a long time, you might as well give him a shot. I, I don't know if you want that headache, but uh, he is. I mean, he's still a good football player. So I, I, we can dive into that later this week, Nick. But uh, let's take a break uh, and then let's jump into the side of the ball that you know best and that played the best today for the Broncos, the defense. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, Nick, we're back after the break. Let's dive into the defensive side of the football uh, where I thought they were stellar again this week. I know last week they came out had some communication in that first half, gave up a couple touchdowns, uh, but then really shut down the Seahawks in the second half. And then this week, um, again, weren't facing a great team in the Texans, uh, but I thought that they played really well on that side of the ball. Yeah, they did. Uh, only giving up uh, three field goals. And, and listen, this is the NFL. Those guys put their leg, their pants on one leg at a time. They get paid to, and they want to go out there and have a, a great showing. I mean, last week, you know, they gave up a, a lead to the Colts, allowed them to tie the game. And that was something that Lovey talked about coming into the game against the Broncos is finishing games. He wanted to see his team finish the game. They didn't really uh, do that. But that was a, doing a part to how well the Broncos play on the defensive side of the ball. We saw, you know, Draymond uh, Jones make plays, DJ Jones uh, making some plays as well, Bradley Chubb. And, and once again, the guy that I've been really impressed with is Randy Gregory. You know, not a lot of time in training camp, uh, not a lot of preseason games, because I know that's kind of the big thing that everyone's talking about. But uh, when the Broncos needed someone to make a play, he went out there and made the play. So that's why I don't get too down on the team overall. I know we got to fix the, the offensive side of the things, but the defense came out there. They played well and uh, they tackled well. So everything is looking up for the defense. and We're going to need them next week against uh, the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, I mean, the, the defense is the strength of this football team at this point, right? And and we've seen that now for the last, you know, couple of years that that's been the strength of this football team. And I think that's, a, again, the case this year. And I, I think you're right, Nick, that the pass rush has been really good. When you've got, you know, Randy Gregory on one side and Bradley Chubb on the other, uh, it, it's they, they've shown they can create some havoc. I mean, Bradley Chubb had two sacks last week. You know, Randy Gregory has the one this week. It was a strip sack and they, they nearly recovered the ball. Draymond Jones had two sacks today looks like he could have a really big year, especially, you know, after a few years of everybody saying, this is Draymond's year, this is Draymond's year. It feels like this could really be Draymond's year. I, I did want to pick your brain on the secondary. We saw some young guys out there. Caden uh, Stearns obviously played the entire game in place of Justin Simmons, who's out for a while. Uh, and then you've got Damari Mathis, rookie corner, comes in for Pat Sertan when he goes down in the second quarter. And I thought I thought he played really well. I mean, I, I, you know, Brandon Cooks got him a couple times. That's going to happen when you go up against a guy like Brandon Cooks, who's played a lot of football, um, you know. But I thought I thought both Caden Stearns and Damari Mathis had pretty solid games for being guys that don't really have. I mean, I guess Caden played quite a bit last year, but for Damari to come in and play like that, I, I thought was 
was pretty, uh, you know, good to see. Yeah, this is where, uh, you know, having depth on your team, George, is, is real important. I know that's something that uh, GM George Payton wanted to do on both sides of the ball. And Damari Math, as I said, I told everyone in trading camp, he wears 27. He reminds me of my former teammate, Dan Williams, not just because he wears 27. It's just kind of the, strap, the scrappiness that comes along uh, with him. And obviously, you're a rookie. Derek Stingley on the opposite side, he has his issues with Cortland Sutton. So you're going to have your issues in this league when you're a young player and you're trying to figure these things out. But the idea is you just go out there and uh, compete. And I feel as though he has competed and knowing as though he's getting this game time now and unfortunately it was due to a PS2 injury, it's going to help, you know, move his career along as well. Now, you mentioned Caden Stearns, a guy who I've been really impressed with since the Broncos drafted him last year. A lot of playing time, you know, last year. And obviously I knew he was going to be okay. There's no replacing Justin Simmons. Let me just go ahead and put that out there right away. But uh, when you look at the stat sheet, you look at who led the team in tackles. There were three people, Jeremiah Jones, Kareem Jackson, and Caden Stearns. And the biggest thing for me I wanted to walk away as far as looking from a defensive standpoint was, well, when Caden's in there, is he going to put himself in a tough situation? And the great thing was, George, we didn't really hear Caden Stearns' name mentioned. Because usually, like offensive line, you don't know who they are until they start holding. With these guys in the plane in the secondary, you don't know who they are until they start giving up explosive plays. So they didn't do that. They tackle well. So I was happy with what I saw from those two young guys. Yeah, I mean, I think that both of them, you know, you could look out there next year and see both those guys starting, right? I mean, when you talk yeah. about, um, you know, Kareem Jackson's on, on, you know, towards the end of his career, who knows where he's playing next year, if he's playing next year you've got ronald darby at the other corner spot but i'm sure that they'd love to have a young guy out there that can play uh and damari mathis i thought showed some really good things for for his future um the other the other part i want to talk to you nick we, we talked a lot about it leading up to the game and, and after last week's game is you know the the communication and especially at that inside linebacker spot again no josie jewel this week it sounds like he's he's getting close to maybe returning i i would i would be surprised if he doesn't play next Sunday from what, what I understand. But Alex Singleton's back out there again this week. Did you see any problems with the communication this week defensively, especially, you know, when it's coming from a guy like Alex Singleton who, you know, hasn't played in this defense a ton? No, it wasn't like it was against the Seattle Seahawks for, you know, the obvious reasons, first game of the season is on the road. Everyone's emotional. They want to win for uh, Russell. But I did see some uh, communication flaws. But that was based on, you know, formations and routes that, were, that the Texans, uh, Pep Hamilton, offensive coordinator, that he was running and putting those linebackers in some tough situations. And they're going to see the same thing when they face the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday Night Football. And what I'm talking about is those short crosses. You get, you know, two wide receivers, one on the right, one on the left. And basically what they're doing, they're trying to get reads for a man or zone. And they come and cross right in the face of the linebackers, and it was a couple of times, I think one to uh, Brandon Cooks, where, you know, Alexander Singleton and Jonas Griffith didn't seem as though they were on the same page, and that ended up being, a, I think, maybe a good uh, pickup on third down. This is where they need to get better. They need to identify what they're seeing, pre-snap, communicate, hey, listen, if they do this, you bump, you slide, you do this, and I'll pass the guy to you. But it didn't seem as though they were – uh, not doing that. Now, once again, we're not talking about crowd noise being an issue, but one of those things could be a key here is the chemistry working alongside of another guy. And I get it. 
people are going to say, well, they practice together, but practicing and game time are two totally different things because guess what? If George Stoyer gets tired and he's supposed to tell Nick Ferguson something and he can't because he's got cotton mouth, then that's a problem, George. That's a huge problem. But these are the issues that the Broncos will have to fix. Yeah, I mean, I think that they, they've obviously got some stuff to work on. I thought that, you know, Pierce for, for the te- for the Texans, their running back, had some really nice runs, really gashed them a few times. But when they needed to get stops, they got them. Yeah. And I think that that was an issue last year, right? Uh, when they needed to get stops, they didn't always get those stops. Uh, and so I think you're seeing that. I think they're they're playing better against the run. And, and again, that'll only get better when, when Josie Jewell gets back. I think DJ Jones has been – a massive help. I mean, he had a great tackle. I think it was in the first quarter, maybe the first drive mm-hmm. um, that he, you know, busted through the line and, and got the guy behind the, behind the sticks. And so, you know, those type of plays are, are what's going to win you football games. And I think that, you know, the, the Broncos understand that. And I know Nathaniel Hackett, you know, spoke really highly of the defense after the game. Cause again, the defense, I know they, the Broncos had to go down and score and the offense had to play well in the fourth quarter, but the defense won them that game. And, and Nathaniel Hackett talked about that after the game. Defense has been spectacular. I mean, two weeks in a row. I mean, they are uh, exactly you know what they've been, and uh, they're just getting better. And you know, we had a lot of guys you know slowly get out on um, from the corner standpoint, and guys went in there and stepped up. And I thought that was awesome. You know, Caden, you know, he had to come in. Uh, Kareem, all those guys. You know, they they had a really good game. Josie hasn't been out there, so just seeing that, seeing how they're unified together and making plays is a big deal. Awesome. And that's Nathaniel Hackett via Broncos.com. Uh, we appreciate them letting us use the audio from after today's game. But, Nick, let me ask you a little bit more about this defense. I noticed that they do some different things where they'll have Baron Browning, Randy Gregory, and Bradley Chubb all in the game, um, and they'll bring in P.J. Locke maybe in the dime or, or whoever it is. How unique is that to see that in a defense, and how does that maybe complicate things for an offense, especially a young quarterback like Davis Mills? Yeah, we saw that uh, pretty much in training camp, them testing yeah. that out. I like to call that defense uh, NASCAR. I don't know what they call it, but I like to call it NASCAR. It's because you're getting athletic guys all on the field at the same time. And it caused complication, not just for the quarterback, George, but for the offensive line as they're trying to point out, well, who's a Mike linebacker, where they're trying to slide protection. But in this game, it's all about creating a mismatch and trying to take advantage of that mismatch. It's not something that you can make your everyday defense. And I don't think defensive coordinator Jura ever was trying to do that, but you have to be able to mix that in every now and again, just to kind of give the offense a little something to think about, but putting all those guys on the field at the same time, it do, it does create some challenges. And if you can manipulate a little by bringing in a PJ lot as a guy to just kind of roam that middle and just kind of, uh, be be a guy to pick up that leaky coverage, anyone out of the backfield or those short cor- crosses, then it, it works well with the defense. So it, it's great seeing those guys out there. And I can tell you this, I'm talking to them, they really enjoy that package that uh, they're able to roll out there against the Texans. So you just continue to build on your package, your scheme, week by week, see what works, see what doesn't. But so far, that package is working for the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I mean, I remember there was one play uh, today where I think they had Gregory on on the left side, Chubb on the right, and then they had Barron come up in a rush, and he hit a spin move on the guard and was immediately at the quarterback. And it's like, man, that's a nasty that's a nasty group you've got rushing the quarterback there. Uh, and so it's gonna be fun to watch those guys, and I think that they really feel good about how much depth they have there. I mean, they they didn't activate uh, the rookie Nick Benito 
today. So that tells you what they think of their depth um, up front. So it, it's going to be interesting to see the defense. I think that it's a group that, again, is going to be the strength of this football team. It's going to win them football games this year. They just need to stay healthy, right? Uh, you can't lose – you know, you, you've lost probably your two best players in the secondary, Justin Simmons and Pastor Tan. Now, I think that both those guys look back at some point this season and, and hopefully when, you know, they're going in, you know, the back half of the season and on a tough stretch, right, playing division games, they need those guys to be back. But I do think that this defense has showed some really good things again today, uh, and they're just playing good football. Nick, before we hit another break, I want to talk a little bit about special teams. And maybe I'm getting too into special teams, but I thought special teams was hit and miss today at times. I thought – Montreal had some nice returns. He had the one really nice return that I think was, you know, 15 something, some like 15, 16 yards, something like that. He had another one that was called back. Um, but what did you think of the special teams today, especially the debacle of not having a punt returner one time? You're getting delay of games on field goals. I mean, what did you what was your takeaway from special teams? Did they improve? Did they not improve? No, well, they, they improved so much better than uh, last week. Uh, it was the first game of the season, just trying to get out of the gate. Uh, I thought uh, coverage uh, was much better than it was last week. As far as blocking up front on kickoff uh, and punt return, it, 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 once again, being a special teams player, I just feel that uh, I look at it a little different and I'm maybe a little more critical than I need to, but it needs to be much better because every time Montreal watched it, has the ball in his hands. You, you see, he wants to do something with it. Now, he may not know all the time what he wants to, but I just love the idea that, hey, I'm going to catch this ball. I'm going to get vertical. I'm going to make something happen. And once again, I, I would love for all the guys up front that's blocking for him on uh, kickoff return or punt return to just commit themselves, right? Not committing themselves to making the penalty, but commit yourself to say, well, my guy, when we turn on the film, he's not going to make the play and once again, not having a punt returner on the field to me, and listen, uh, there's no excuses for that. And I know once again, uh, Coach Stoops does a great job, but you know, trying to man that sideline with so many players, it can get quite confusing. And once again, here's another thing: Jerry Judy went out. We saw Kendall Hinton, Ty Tyree Cleveland, and we saw Montreal Washington. Maybe one of those times. You got the special teams coach calling you over here, hey, punt return, and then someone else saying, hey, wide receiver, and guys don't go in. So I, I'm going to blame that both on the coach and the player, but this is a case where, George, communication has to get a lot better. Yeah, it, it does. Um, and I thought special teams was better today. I mean, Montreal, Mon Montreal Washington stole a man's soul today on that one return. I mean, he <laughs> – he that guy might have to retire after the move. Stop it, George. Stop. <laughs> he put a move on that dude. Uh, but I, you know, I, you can't let some of those things happen. And and I, the 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 delay of games, I don't really blame on special teams, right? I mean, that's Nathaniel Hackett having to make a decision on: Am I going to go for it? Am I going to kick it? What's going on here? And he even talked about that post game. Is like, hey, I've got to figure that out. I've got to I've got to be a better communicator about that. Uh, and so we'll, we're going to jump into more Hackett stuff here after the break, Nick, and we'll get your, your thoughts on, you know, hitting the panic button, booing the head coach, booing, you know, the star quarterback that you've been waiting for forever. But uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll dive into a little bit more about that. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. 
The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, guys, we welcome you back uh, after that quick break. Uh, Nick, we talked a lot about him to start. We talked a lot about uh, game management and what all went down today. And I, let me just ask you this to set uh, the tone, and we can get into the booing in a second. But are you ready to hit the panic button on Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos? No, George, I'm not. I didn't hit the panic button uh, after the first game of the season. Uh, I'm not even hitting the easy button. I'm hitting the concern button. So I don't know where that falls in the pecking order because I know usually red means stop. Uh, yellow is a caution and green means go. So how are we labeling this now as far as the panic meter? Is green, does that does that uh, mean the panic button or, or is it red? Which, which one is it? I think it's red. Okay, well, I'm not hitting the red button yet. Now, the caution, I'm smacking that sucker with a hammer right now because I am a little concerned. I mean, when something like this happens once, then, okay, that, that's kind of a one-off. But when it happens in two consecutive games, it is slightly a concern. Now, I'm going to be watching the third game to see if they have fixed the problems. If they are not, then I'm going to have to join the remaining of Broncos country and I'm going to hit that red button. So uh, hopefully they can fix these issues and fix communication. But at, at this point right now, I am not jumping off the bus. I'm not jumping off the bus, but I am 1,000% hitting like the emergency exit on the bus. <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm like, this. where's the emergency exit? How can I get to it? I, I think it's we're, we're at like DEFCON 2. I think that's like the second most severe, right? I think that's how it works. Yeah, I think that's uh, how it works. Yeah, DEFCON 2, we're right around there. I, I My hand is is securely on the panic button. Right, right, right. So, so, so your hand is not even hovering. It's just, it's on the button. You just on it. pressed it down. Yes, it's on it. It's I mean, as soon as as soon as they had a at a the uh, delay of game on the, I think it was like fourth and two, and they couldn't decide if they were going to go for it, so then they run out McManus to kick the field goal, and then they get the delay of game, and then they have to punt. My hand went immediately from like away from the panic button to on it. I was like, "This is bad. That was horribly managed," and I I just can't get over that. And so, I look. I think they're going to figure it out, and I it might take a whole season, right? Like this this season may not pan out to be the season that we all anticipated, right? I, I came into it thinking, don't, "Don't don't do that, George. Don't don't do that. Don't 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 do that." to me because I'm a very optimistic person. I Look, I typically have two, Nick, but what we just watched, I can't be optimistic about that. <laughs> I mean, look, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Nick. I think that we just need to temper expectations. Maybe we should have done this from the start, right? Like I, I came into this season thinking the ceiling is probably 11 and six, right? right. Maybe they, maybe they win the division. Maybe they finish second. They're right there. They're a playoff team. And I thought the floor was nine and eight. I was like, they're going to have a winning season for the first time in, I think it's five years, right? I was like, this team's going to win football games. They're talented enough. Now I'm thinking the floor is like, could they go six and 11? Like, let's not forget that the no, teams that they so played in the first two weeks, Nick, are the Seahawks and the Texans. Both those teams combined are not going to win probably more than eight or nine games this year. 
okay? And they the 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 worst team that they have left on the schedule is the Jets, who just came back and beat the Browns. They, I just look the NFL is different. You can change week to week. You can get better. Uh, you you could have a ton of injuries that hurt you, which is obviously hurting the Broncos right now. I just think that everybody needs to take a step back, maybe take your hand off the panic button and just say, let's give them a season to figure out all this stuff because I think that's what's going on here. It's Nathaniel Hackett's learning as a first year head coach how to communicate, and I think Russell Wilson is figuring out how to work with a guy like Nathaniel Hackett and obviously all the pieces around him. So that's where I'm at, Nick. Man, I don't want to panic, George. I mean, but you, you put up a, a great argument, and it's just like, man, I know like like Tinkerbell from Peter Pan, she used to sprinkle pixie dust. She used to make people happy. But your dust is entirely different. It's almost like you have a sack of coal that you just sprinkle it out there, and I'm just like, yes, yes, it's snowing. No, it's not. It's just this, this mountain of negativity that I, I don't want to welcome, George. I, I hope that you are entirely wrong saying 6 and 11. But I know there are fans out there saying that same thing, that they are losing confidence and faith in this team, and it's only up to the offense to change it. The defense changed from week one to week two. So yeah. I'm confident that if they can do it, you should be able to do it too. I just don't want these this negativity that you're spewing out there to become reality, George. I, I just don't want it. Yeah, well, and look – I don't think they're going to go six and 11. That's like a, an extreme, right? Like if that happens, then something went horribly wrong. Like Russell gets hurt or Cortland, God forbid, somebody, somebody gets hurt, right? They just have right. to get a terrible injuries. That's what would happen. But I do think it's realistic to say that this team could go eight, nine, nine and eight, which again, I think would be a little bit of a disappointment. Like to me coming into the season, this is a playoff or bust type season for me in terms of, they go out and they get Russell Wilson. They go get DJ Jones, Kwan Williams, Randy Gregory, right? They made all these moves this offseason. And, and the excuse for years has been, well, they have the roster. They just don't have the quarterback. Or maybe they don't have the head coach either. Well, they went out and got their guy. They went out and got, you know, top five, top ten quarterback in Russell Wilson. So what's the excuse this year? And so I think that that's where my head is thinking. But, again, I think they, they have a chance to figure it out, right? Everybody does. It's the NFL, right? You can make changes. You can make uh, adjustments. You can become a better team throughout the season. I just – it makes it makes me worry when they, you know, they're making these type of mistakes early in the season and they're also losing some important guys. When you talk about – if Jerry Judy and Pat Sertan are out for an extended amount of time, which I, I don't think they will be, but let's say they are, this team could be in, in some serious trouble. Well, they could be, or they can go get your guy, Odell Buckingham. Odell Buckingham, save the season. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Nick, okay, let's let's jump into the booing, though. Let's jump into the booing. I, I know we want to get to that. What? Well, you were there. You were there as a fan. You were in the stands. What was your immediate reaction when they booed the first time? And then I want to know, what was your reaction by the end of the game when it was pretty – I mean, it was, it was a collective group. I mean, it was ev almost everybody – it felt like booing. Well, it, you know, it just started to grow like a groundswell. First, it was a yeah. couple of fans, and then more started uh, joining. It It was just kind of disappointing. I mean, I, I I was watching the game with some longtime Bronco uh, alumni, and that was kind of the sentiment, that they were a little uh, upset, but rightfully so. And Nathaniel Hackett uh, embraced it, and he owned it up to it. He was like, darn right, they should be frustrated and should boo. I mean, he was booing himself. 
right? So when a head coach boos himself, then you know, hey, it's, it's fair game for everyone else. But here's the thing, you know, there's there's, there's another game on Sunday. He has uh, an extended time to fix whatever the issues were. I know Monday, short week, all of that. You can make justifications. Now is about riding the ship, and uh, hopefully they can do that so they can prevent the rules. Nick, were you ever booed? Uh, yeah. Uh, being a member of the Denver Broncos, yeah, you booed. But more importantly, I was a member of the New York Jets, and we're dealing with New Yorkers. So they, they, they boo everything. Even when things are going right, they still boo. So, yes, I've experienced it as a player. It makes you upset. Randy Gregory said it after the game. Uh, he loves the energy of the crowd, but he wants them to stop booing. I wish I could have tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, bro, guess what? They're going to continue to boo here in Broncos country until something change offensively. And if it doesn't, you guys are going to have to carry this team. And even with that being said, that's still going to be difficult because people are still going to criticize Russ and they're still going to criticize Nathaniel Hackett. So let me ask you this, Nick, as someone who has, has been booed a lot, you know, in your career, it sounds like. Wait, wait, wait. The way you said said that, you made it seem like I was a comedian. And I'm doing stand-up. And like, every time I do a set, I'm being booed. Uh, since you have been booed a lot. I mean, I haven't been booed that much. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but as, as a player who has been booed maybe a couple times, how do you block that out? Because I, I was thinking in my head, and even as, as a coach, you know, it's the second quarter – and you're you're failing to pick up first downs. You can't score. Things aren't going your way. And now, the seventy thousand people and all the people that were supposed to be on your side are letting you hear it. Uh, what what does that I guess feel like? And two, how do you as a player ignore that? You know, because again, you you, I think Bradley Chubb said it best. That they love you, they hate you, right? That's how fans are. Uh, but how do you as a player in that moment in a game, I guess, you know, block that out? Well, George, you really don't block it out. It's hard to yeah. block out 80,000, 90,000 people who are letting you know that you are stinking the joint up. The only thing that you can do, and fortunately for me, I played def- on defense. So we can go out there and we can change the impact of the game by making a sack or a forced fumble or interception. So at the end of the day, it just kind of made me angry and I wanted to go out and do my job even better than I did it before. And just kind of let the fans know, hey, yeah, we here, we heard you. But guess what? Did you see that tackle I just made? Boo about that. So, I mean, we've had some issues before with fans. And look, fans are fans. They pay their money. They want to see a good product, especially with expectations and the hype coming into the season. So, once again, I I really can't blame them for uh, booing. And it's your job to go out there and, uh, you know, be productive because let's be honest, George, this is entertainment, is it not? And just think about this. If you pay money to go see, I don't know, a comedian or or let's say you want to go see the, the weekend at a concert, you want a concert, you want a great performance. If you don't get that, you're going to move because this is not what I paid. Like what? I mean, uh, the tickets now, like maybe what, $179? You're not even sitting uh, uh, at the 40-yard lot. I want to be entertained. It just makes me think of Gladiator. Are you not entertained? It's like, uh, no, I'm not. You're stinking up the joint. Give me something to scream about. So, 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 yeah. Listen, I get it. I totally understand. Yeah. Well, I would never boo the weekend because he he always puts on a good performance. As someone who has seen him <laughs> at Empower Field, but 
I, I do think like you're right. Fans pay and and they have the right to boo. I've never been one to boo at a game of a team that you know. I, you've never booed George. I haven't. Not not for not for my team. And I but I that's not to say that I that like I'm looking down on fans who do. Like I I think that my 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 out is you know getting on like uh, Twitter and just like ripping someone on Twitter. <laughs> more than you know booing you know or like getting on a burner account and being like oh this guy sucks you know like i i i've never been one to be like publicly like boo you know like it just doesn't what effect does that have in the game other than in my opinion like all of a sudden maybe the team isn't as confident or maybe they get frustrated with something like like booing to me doesn't help the team at all maybe maybe it makes them angry and they get more motivated i don't know i've never been booed nick you you're the one that's been booed so I don't know what exactly that looks like. You know, uh, people would never boo me. Okay, right? well, okay. With that being said, George, okay, you said that people never boo you, and you're not the booing type. Right. All right. You you gave us the doomsday scenario, the sixteen eleven, and you know things are going haywire for the Broncos. If I'll, the Broncos, boo, I'll boo from the press box, Nick. If they if they go six and eleven. Okay. Okay. Well, well. How about this? Let's start with the next game. We're gonna preview it later in the week, but. If the Broncos come out in the first half of the Sunday night football game against the San Francisco 49ers and the the outlook and the output looks similar to what we saw today and what we saw on Monday night football, will George Stoyer actually boo? Well, you know, since I'm a, a member of the media, I feel like that's inappropriate. Oh, come on. Don't give but, me that. You, now, now you're trying to give yourself an out. Oh, I'm a, I'm a member of the media, so I can't boo. Very prestigious, Nick. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, if, if I was a fan and they went out and they did that again next week, I'd probably boo. You know, I, I, I the reason I've never booed is because I typically have, you know, good teams to cheer for. As an Oklahoma grad, you know, they don't lose very often. So it, was, it wasn't like I was going to games that they were getting beat and this was a problem. But you know, I definitely let my voice be heard on social media about how bad they were at times. But I, I think that, like, if they go out and they do, if it's similar to next week, let's say they go down in the red zone on the first drive and they have to kick a field goal again, people might collectively lose their minds in that stadium <laughs> if they can't score a touchdown in the red zone, which I found it hilarious tonight that the one touchdown was from 22 yards out. That was not a red zone touchdown. So, and look, I, I don't blame fans for Hey, wait, hold on now. See, see, here's where we need to redefine what the red zone is in the case of the Broncos, because there is a such thing as high red zone, which is 20 yards going in, and then low red zone, and that's 10 going in. The Broncos scored in the red zone, but it wasn't a low red zone when you really think about it, just like you said. Where was that pass thrown from, right, to Eric Salbert? It was a touchdown. It was in the red zone, but not our traditional sense. Of what the red zone is, but by rule, it's that it's inside the opponent's twenty-yard line. So that's what I'm going by. Also, that doesn't fix that they're zero and five at, and goal to goal, goal to go situations. So inside the ten-yard line, they're zero for five. That's bad. That's really bad, and that probably deserves booze. So I look, I I don't blame people for booing. Would I boo? Probably not. Uh, you know, I'd probably just go buy another hot dog and soak it. <laughs> Sulking some food in a uh, in a nice beer or something, you know. Wait, wait, wait. So, so you deal with your stress by feeding your stress. Yes, yes. I eat and I drink. That's how I. That's how I get rid of my stress. So that's exactly what I would have done in that situation. I'm like, well, the Broncos, they suck again. I'm gonna go get another hot dog.
Well, well, here's what I want to give to you and the listeners, right? So if you don't want to be vocal with your boring because you still want to be respectful, what you do when you hit your social media account, just put a bunch of ghosts up there. Just get like five ghosts, right? Then I'll know what you mean. That's that's you booing, but not booing from a verbal standpoint. Perfect. Well, Nick Ferguson has exactly how you can stop booing for all you fans out there that have been booing the Broncos the past, <laughs> what, five, six years now. Uh, but well, let's see, Nick. Let's see if they if they can figure it out this next week. Like you said, the big, big couple weeks coming up. They've got the 49ers at home. Then they go to Vegas and start the, the, the division games, right, playing the Raiders who, you know, they blew a spectacular game today um, against the Cardinals. So we'll see what this looks like going forward. I, you know, the hope is the Broncos figure it out. I think they're going to be in for some tough games, but we'll see moving forward. So thanks, everybody listening. Please download the podcast, like it, um, share it with your friends. Um, and, and thanks again to everybody who's been listening to Touchdown Denver.